Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. You know, the whole theme about breaking out of the box is this, is that here's what I believe. And, and what I've found as a church planner and starting a new church and trying to reach people who don't know God is that many people believe that when you come to God, that God is going to put you in a box like this. That you go, hey, well, it's, it's a bunch of rules, it's a bunch of regulations, it's restrictions that, you know, I really don't know that I want to give up all these things because if I come to God, he's going to kind of put me in this box and it's going to limit me in the things that I want to do and the life that I have. And, and really the opposite is true, is that, that God came to break us out of the box, is that all of us are in a box until we find God, that, that the Bible says that sin enslaves us. And what the devil does is, is just as God is for us, there is an enemy. The devil, we don't like to talk about him a lot. And the devil isn't someone that we just see at Halloween with a pitchfork and some horns on his head. He is very crafty. He's very, he, he, the Bible says that he, is a, he stalks us, that he looks for ways to manipulate us, that he wants to devour us. In, in the, as much as God has this plan and purpose for our life, that he wants to, to limit that. And so he begins to get you to believe that, that, he, that God is going to put you in the box. And he's so crafty and he's so deceiving and manipulates so much that, that he actually makes you believe that God is the one that puts you in a box. In reality, it's the devil that puts you in a box. And so today we're going to talk about how we can break out of the box, how we can make sure that we don't live a life that's limited, because God does never, has not come to limit you in your life, he's come to liberate you, so you can truly live free, truly know the purpose that he has for you to discover the life that he's created you to live. A few uh, months ago, my wife and I made the, the very tough decision, after months and months of prayer and a second child, we decided to get a minivan, and... Um, and it, it, it was painful, you know, to, to, to come to grips with the fact that we had now achieved that status in our life. And so you said, I said, you know what, if we're going to get a minivan, we're going to get a Honda Odyssey minivan. Because it's like the Cadillac of the minivans, and it's so nice. And so I went to, to, to buy her one for her birthday. And she had kind of come to turn. She was actually kind of excited about it. And so I go to a very well-known dealership in town, and I won't... Uh, to talk about their actual name, <clears throat> uh, well, I actually won't do it at all. Who knows? They may listen and try to sue us for everything that we have, which isn't a lot right now. And so uh, I don't want them to take that from us. Um, and so we went. To, I went to this dealership, and I took Jess's SUV there. And so I'm going to trade it in, and found the, the Honda Odyssey. It was used, and, and so we're in the process. And I, I drive a hard bargain, you know. I like to think that I can negotiate, so I, I wheel and deal with the guy a little bit, get the price where I want it, you know, get the price that they're going to give us for our vehicle up. And so, boom, it's a done deal. He shakes my hand. He's like, "Hey, we're just waiting for financing, and you'll be good to go." You know, they'll send you back and take care of everything. You'll sign all the paperwork. And so I'm waiting there at the dealership, so excited. I'm texting Jess. You're going to be so surprised. It's so nice. It's going to be so great. So I get back there, and then this lady in the financing department begins to try to sell me on some more stuff. And, and I'll just be honest with you. You know, she hands me all these papers, and it's the fine print, and I'm not really reading it. And she begins to wheel and deal with me. Hey, I'll give you this. You can get this warranty. You know, it's a used car. You never know what could happen. Da, 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 da. Starts talking circles around me, all this stuff. I end up getting this warranty. I end up buying gap insurance on a used car. Don't look at me. I know, right? Like, it didn't make any sense. So I did all this, and I get home, and, you know, we're excited. We had a birthday party for that night, and my brother-in-law, the accountant guy, he's like, hey, let me look at your paperwork. So he starts to look at it, and he was like, he's like, dude, you paid a lot of money for that warranty. He's like, what'd you say your car payment was going to be? So I tell him, he's like, how many, year, how many months is that? So I tell him. And so I begin to really look at the fine print 
and to see all the restrictions and all the rules that replied. And so immediately the next day, I go back. I'm like, hey, I want a refund on my warranty. Well, they made me wait like three hours. And then they go, well, hey, here's the deal. We can refund this. But if you read that stuff that you need a magnifying glass to, to, to read, uh, you're not getting a refund on, on half of this stuff. You sign the dotted line. Sorry, too bad, so sad. So I was, I was very defeated. Not the fact that we just bought a minivan, but the fact that they ripped me off somewhat. And so I was, I was kind of you know, because I didn't read the fine print and the rules and restrictions that applied, it hurt me. And we think, though, that when we come to God, that, you know, there's the fine print, that this is how God works, too, that, you know, it's a good deal. We just sang about the freedom that God brings, and we sang about his love that goes on and on and on, but we think there's the little fine print section, like, hey, Jesus loves you, he came to set you free, but rules and restrictions still apply. And we put God in this box and think, if I come to God, I'm not going to be able to do all these fun things that I used to do. I'm not going to be able to, to really live the life that I want to live. But really, it's the furthest thing from the truth. And today, we're going to find out that God really did came, come to break us out of the box. And it's in him that we can truly live and we can truly find life. And so today, we're going to talk about how we can break out of the box. And this really goes all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. So if you have your Bible, or you have the app open, or your phone, and the scripture will be on the screen, you can turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to talk about Adam and Eve a little bit. And here's the deal. They had just been created. They're in paradise. There was no sin at this point. They hadn't eaten from the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil yet. So there's all this vast produce that's available to them. They're hanging out, they're fellowshipping with God, with each other, and then all of a sudden the crafty serpent, the devil, comes, and this is where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and then 22 through 24. So it says this, the serpent, the devil, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals, and the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, he said this, he said, did God really say you must not eat any of the trees in the garden? Any of them. And Eve, she replied, she said, of course, we may eat from anything, all the fruit in the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. You must not eat of it or even touch of it is what God told us or we will die. So the enemy already is coming. God said, you can have all this stuff, but just don't mess with this one thing right here. Don't mess with this one thing. And the enemy's coming and saying, did God say you can't have anything in this garden? She goes, well, no, he didn't say that. He said, I just can't have this one thing. So the enemy's already trying to get the focus off everything that we can enjoy in God and get it on the few things that we can enjoy in him. He said this, so he said, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so he's saying, God is trying to, to keep you from being fully satisfied. So there's a statement of restriction here in the Bible that rules and restrictions apply, but let's notice here that it's not coming from God's voice. It's coming from the enemy's voice. It's coming from the devil's voice. God didn't tell them that. That God, of course, puts limits on us, but just as any good parent, it's for our protection and not our imprisonment. It's to protect us, not to put us in a box. And so the woman was convinced. She believed the lie like many of us have. And she said, so she saw that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of it and she, and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. I always say right here, like, hey, it was Eve's fault, right? Like, all men have been led astray by their wife at some point or another. So Eve leads him astray. We would have ate it if it wasn't for, it was just whoever did it first. I'm not, please don't send me emails or anything. I'm just, I'm just teasing. Uh, 
they ate of the tree knowledge good of evil. And so immediately their eyes were open to the knowledge of good and evil. And so then the Lord God said, it looked, he looked at the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit of the tree of life and eat it? They will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the garden of Edom, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground which to live, uh, sorry, which he had been made. So the devil wants it to make it all about what we have to give up. And Eve said, no, it's just one thing that God limited us from. So God gives us parameter, but it's because, again, he's a, good, he's a good parent. He wants to protect us, not to restrict us. And so the devil has always tried to make the giver of life look like the taker of life. That's what the devil tries to do. He tries to make it say, hey, this guy, you know, it's going to limit you. It's going to restrict you. It's going to put you in this box, and you're never going to be able to get out. You're never going to be able to live the life that you really want if you truly come to God and submit to him. And so today we're going to talk about what we have to do to really break out of this box. I think there's two things that we really have to look at that if we really want to break out of the box, and whatever your box may be today that that you've kind of been put in that you think is going to limit you or restrict you, what do we have to do to break out of it? The first thing is this, is we have to break out of our perception of God, our perception of God, who we think God is and how he operates. Perception is defined like this. It says a way of regarding, understanding, or interpreting something. Or in our case today, how we understand and interpret God to be. See, here's the issue with perception is that there's a problem with perception is that our perceptions are our reality, whether they are true or not. How many of you ever dealt with that before? That the way someone has perceived you or perceived something that's happened is the furthest thing from the truth, but because it's how they perceive it, that's their reality it is truth to them, even though it is false. And so we have to make sure that we have the proper perception of who God really is, that we truly understand who he is. Uh, you know, a fine example is this. Sometimes my wife's perception, interpretation of the things that I say to her are the furthest thing from the truth. Amen. And vice versa. And so, you know, it's... Hey, did you do something? Did you do this? And it's, I didn't mean it to, to come across in a negative way. I wasn't trying to attack her or to, to, to make her upset. But, but her perception of how I said it or the look on my face or the tone of my voice can be perceived as truth. And so no matter if it's true or not, that perception is her reality. And I'm going to face the consequences of that perception. And so we have these false perceptions of God. And what the enemy does is he puts these false perceptions up and puts us in this box to make us believe something because he's the father of all lies. He tries to deceive us and and to to get us to believe something that isn't true. I have some uh, boxing gloves over here. Excuse me. I'm about to pull those up. And and some of us think of God like this, that that it's kind of like the boxing gloves. Maybe like you watched the the Mayweather fight last night, right? And that that you come to God, the enemy says, hey, you're going to get in the ring And he's just going to beat you down until you submit, until you tap out. Maybe it's MMA style. It's the ground and pound. And God gets you in a submission move until you tap out and go, okay, God, I'll accept you. Okay, God, I'll live for you. Okay, I'll do it your way. And we get in this, and that's our perception of who God is. Like, man, I don't want to get in the ring with God. He's God. He's really big. He's going to beat me down. And so the enemy makes you believe that God is a God that wants to punish you, that wants to to beat you down, to get you to submit to him, to make you do all these things a certain way because no matter what you do, rules and restrictions still apply. 
But it's the furthest thing from the truth. God didn't come to do that. Maybe it's a paddle. We think of our kids that, that God's mad at us, that he doesn't love us, that he's just, he's just waiting for his opportunity to discipline us. To say, hey, you messed up. You're in trouble. I'm not going to bless you anymore. I'm going to make you sick. I'm going to do these things to you to make you pay for what you've done. The furthest thing from the truth. It's a lie. It's what the enemy does. These false perceptions that put us in this box that keep us from living the life that God created us to live from living the purpose that we want to do. We were at the fair uh, a few weeks ago when it was in town, and, and if you ever want to go to the Columbus Fair, just don't, okay? <laughs> just don't go. Whatever idea, I, someone gave me free tickets, and I was like, oh, free tickets. They're like five bucks or something, you know what I mean? And so, so we go, we take the whole family, and for some reason, we got away from the food part, which is the good part of the fair, right? That's the only, the only walkway you need to go down at the fair is the food part, Okay. Stay away from the game, stay away from all that, and all the rides. And so we go over there, of course, and Riley's with me, my, my little girl. She's uh, almost three in October, and she sees the slide. Not the big yellow one, but actually another smaller slide. And so these kids were in line, and so, you know, uh, her aunts were there, and everyone else was like, oh, we should get her some tickets so she can ride the ride. I'm like, are you serious? Look at these lines. You know, this is crazy. It was just jam-packed full of people. So we buy the tickets, Riley, and I'm the one who gets to go down the slide with her, Okay. So I'm standing in line with her. She can't wait to go. We finally get up to the thing, and we, we didn't see it. There was lots of little kids in line. There was the thing that said, you must be this tall to ride, right? Well, Riley was not that tall yet. So we had waited in line for like 15 minutes. We get there. And how many of you ever had a, a, a three-year-old, and they say, sorry, little girl, you can't get on the slide that you've been waiting for? immediate breakdown and so they go but you can because your daddy can't ride this slide with you but he can ride the big yellow slide that's five miles away all the way in the back i'm like oh my she's like daddy i want to go to that slide i'm like of course we're going to go to that slide put her on my shoulders we walk through this crowd of people literally like fights are breaking out and stuff it was it was chaos and we get through we get to the slide another long line we finally go down the slide and you've been there before. You go to Cedar Point, Kings Island, whatever it is, and, and they got, you got to be this tall to ride. And sometimes we think it's that way with God, too, that, that you can come to God, but you have to read and pray this much in order to get on the ride with them. In order to join the adventure that God has for you, you have to do these things, and you have to pray, and you have to read, and you have to do this. And all those things are a part of our relationship with God, but there's no quota that you have to meet by the end of the week in order for God to still love you and bless you. That's not what it's about. That's not what God wants it to be about. God didn't come to limit you. He came to liberate you. He didn't come to put you in a box. He came to break you out of the box. And we believe these false perceptions of who Jesus is, and we think we're going to have to give up everything fun to follow God. Everything fun, everything I enjoy doing, it's going to be boring. And that, that's part of why we call it our church Adventure Church. A lot of people want to be, well, that's a different name for a church. We go, exactly. That's what we want. We want it to be adventure. Coming to God isn't boring. It doesn't have to be dull. That's why today we wanted you to have a fun experience from the time you hit the parking lot until you got in here, until you get back in your car. That, that your perception of church has changed, that your perception of God has changed to realize that God did not come to put you in a box. And we think these fun things are the things that really will satisfy us and bring fulfillment, but they're really not. That's another lie of the enemy, that, that these things, the alcohol, the relationships, all this stuff is really what's going to fulfill you. And if you come to God, you're going to have to give that up. And the Bible's really cool because it says, hey, the sin stuff, it's fun for a while. It is. Partying, drinking, clubbing, relationship. It, it's all fun for a while, but, it, but it, it definitely has a time limit on it. 
And when that season runs out and it's over, you're left with the consequences of all those bad decisions. The addiction, the bondage, the broken relationships, everything that's messed up. Again, God does put parameters because he wants to protect us. He doesn't want his children messing up and making decisions that will alter their life forever. He wants to break us out of the box. You see, Adam and Eve then began to believe. They had this false perception of God. As soon as they had been caught, what did they do? They hid. They ran away. God's mad at us. He's going to hurt us. What does God come? He doesn't come and punish them. He, he, he does remove them from the garden of, of, of eternal life because now they have the knowledge of good and evil. And God's banishment wasn't, uh, wasn't punishment. If you really look at the scripture, it was an act of mercy. If they were going to live forever in sin, who wants to live forever with the sin in this world? One of the, the, the benefits of knowing God is that, is that we get to go to heaven, that this world will end for us someday and that we will be in paradise, that we will be back in fellowship with God the way he intended it. He didn't ban them to, ter- to, to torment them, it just to toil. They had to work. It just changed the way it was going to work. And so God was still there. He still loved them and he still had a plan. And the redemptive plan of Jesus Christ started at that very moment. The, the long plan of when he was going to come back and save us. And so we can't believe these false perceptions of God because they box us in. They put us in this box. The other thing that I think we have to break out of this morning to truly live for God the way he wants us to is our past experiences. So it's our perception of who God is, how we view him, and then our past experiences. Uh, I used to think I was really cool a long time ago, and some of you knew me in high school. And it was actually when Northland Mall was still open. How many of you remember those days, right? Polaris didn't exist yet. It was just a field, and Easton didn't exi- exist yet. And so I was at Northland Mall, and it was, I was in high school, and I was with some of my friends, and and we were pretty cool, and so we were walking in the mall, and we're walking down one side of the mall, and there's obviously traffic on the other side, and so uh, these fine young ladies caught my eye, and so I was as cool as I was at, at 16 years old. I'm walking and, and kind of looking at them, and so they, as we began to cross, cross paths, I just continued to follow them with my eyes, and I'm like, hey, what's up? Page me. How many of you remember those days, right? Why don't you page me? And as I'm looking at them, as soon as I turn around, the support beam in the mall, and it was like five feet wide, was right in front of my face, and I hit it, and I fall backwards, and they just be- begin to immediately laugh at me, of course. All of my friends there, my boys, were like, ah! none of them extended a hand to help me up or anything. And the problem why I was on this crash course I didn't even look at is because I was looking behind me and trying to move forward at the same time. And many of you have wondered why your life hasn't worked out the way you want it to, and why you keep crashing into this wall of your past, because if anything, if you're trying to move forward, but you're looking behind you, if you drive your car staring in the rearview mirror, always looking what's behind, you're on a crash course. In many of your lives, you just feel like I'm constantly just running into the wall. I can never get where I want to go. And many of it's because the enemy keeps throwing your past in your face. And he boxes you in with the mistakes of your past. The failure and the shame keeps us looking back, the experiences of it. Say, Kyle, I tried to live for God once. I failed miserably. I couldn't live up. It was just a mistake after mistake, and and my past disqualifies me. Look, Look, you're the preacher. If you only knew what I did, you wouldn't be telling me that God still has a plan no matter what. And so your past disappointments and the things that have happened, and, and I've tried this church thing, and it was boring, and people just judged me, and they didn't accept me for who I was. And 
The enemy boxes you in with your past. And then there's disappointments. Let's just be honest. For some of you, God let you down in a major way. You needed him to show up in that situation, in that relationship for your kid, and, and, and he didn't show up. And you're trying to reconcile that and go, how can this good God let this thing happen to me? Today, that's a whole message, and, and I can't take the time to really go into that. But I just want to tell you is that, that we live in a fallen, sinful world. And unfortunately, the consequences of our sin brings death to us through different ways and circumstances and, and illnesses and all those things. When Adam and Eve made that decision, it put a timeline on every one of our lives. And, 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 and the other thing is, is that God gives us free will. If he made us robots and, and he just pre-programmed us to do whatever he wanted us to do, then, then there'd be no faith involved in following him. And following God is a step of faith. And, and, and he works by faith. It's our belief in him. And so we, he can't pre-program us, and he can't control everything. Otherwise, he's not a good God. Otherwise, he's not working the way that he said he would. And so he can't intervene all the time, because then he'd be taking our choice away. So there's disappointments of that. Some of you, it's is you miss the good old days. You're stuck in the what was. Well, my past wasn't really bad. I just wish I could go back to my past. I enjoyed my past. I, 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 I loved it. How many of you remember Napoleon Dynamite? You guys remember that movie? I call it like the Uncle Rico uh, syndrome. It's the Uncle Rico. You remember that? He would videotape himself throwing the football, and, and, and he would talk about, you know, the good old days of his past. If coach would have put me in, I would have won state. And he said, I'd be sitting in a hot tub with my soulmate. You know, like, like he was just living in his past. And I thought it would be great to bring Napoleon Dynamite back. But, but maybe that's what it is for you. If I, if I just would have married... My high school sweetheart, if I just would have, uh, you know, stayed in that relationship, if, if I could just go back to where I was, and if I could get back on the field again to where I wanted to be, life would be good again, and the past boxes us in. And today, I just want to encourage you that I believe that where God is taking you is bigger and better than where you've been before, that the future that God has planned for you is greater than anything that could ever happen. But our, our destiny is, is greater than where we've been. And we have to believe that. We can't allow our past to pull us backwards. We can't keep looking behind us to see what's going to happen. We have to make sure that we're moving forward and looking forward. And, and your destiny, if you, if you keep looking, how long, I'm sorry, how long will you compromise the destiny that God has for you because you can't get past your history? And today I feel like we just need to let history be exactly what it is, history. It's over with. God says that his mercies are new for you every day. And don't let what could have been rob you of what still can be in the plan that God has for you. Don't allow the enemy to box you in with your past. Because if we stay stuck in what was, you're going to miss what is, and you'll never see what can be. I'll say that again. If you stay stuck in what was, you'll miss what is, and you'll never see what can be. So your dream died. It doesn't mean your hope has to die too. So the relationship didn't work out. I think God has new people he wants to bring into your life that are, that are nicer, better looking, in more shape, that will love you for the way that you are and the way that you deserve to be loved. I believe that. That your future is bigger and brighter than what's behind you. Some seasons of your life are never going to come back. They're gone. It's over with. 
You're never going to get to put on the pads again. You're never going to get to suit up. You're never going to be that size again. Just buy some new jeans. Move forward. We have to move on. As hard as it can be sometimes to let go of good things that happened in the past, we have to move on. So we can't let the shame and and our failure hold us back from the new thing that God wants to do. We can't allow the disappointments of, of how we've been let down do that. And we can't allow the good old days to keep us from living in the better days that God has for us right now. Those are things that will box you in that will keep you from living the life that God wanted you to live. So in light of these truths today, what do you need to do? What do you have to do? And it's very simple as this. The first thing that you have to do is you have to move past your past. you got to move past it. You have to make a decision, and it, you have to make it. I can't make it for you. I can tell you all, you, all I want, that the, the plan that God has for you is great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. But until you believe that, until you make a decision to say, I am going to move forward from these things, the shame, the guilt, the disappointments, the good old days, you won't embrace what God has for you. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. So it says, throw off everything. The false perceptions, the past experiences, the sin that you thought was going to be so fun that now enslaves you, that controls you, that you wish. He says, just throw it off. Do whatever you got to do to get rid of that stuff and look forward. He says, run towards Jesus, the one who came to break you out of the box. He says, run towards him. Keep him in your focus. Don't look behind you. Look forward to the new thing that he has for you. But you got to make the choice to run. You got to make the choice to throw off. It doesn't say that God will throw it off. He says, you throw off. God came. He broke you out, but you got to get out you got to make the choice to get out. So you gotta, you got to move past your past. The second thing that you need to do this morning is this, is you need to understand and believe the truth about God. you got to see God for who he really is. You can't believe those perceptions. You can't allow the enemy to continually box you in with a perception of God that's just not true. It's false, and you can't believe it. You have to understand what the truth is, which we're explaining this morning, and then believe it for yourself and see God for who he truly is. This is kind of a lengthy passage, but I wanted to share it this morning because it really brings back in the very beginning when sin entered the world and what God did through Jesus. It's in Romans chapter 5, 12 through 20, and he says this. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the whole world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone because everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not any law yet to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam until the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol. He's a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of one man, Adam, brought death to many, to all of us. 
But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. It led to shame. It led to failure. It led to disappointment, to false perceptions. It led to these things. But God's free gift leads us to our being made right with God, even though we are all guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin in the death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So we can see that Adam's one sin brought sin to many, that because of that, all of us have fallen short. All of us find ourselves in this situation where we are separated from God, where we're in this box, away from the plan and the purpose that he has for us. Whatever reason you're in the box, whatever lie that you've bought from the enemy that he was selling you, whatever it is, you're in the box. And today God's saying, I want you to to break out of the box, that Jesus left heaven. He left paradise. God's son left it all because of that once, and he came to rescue you. He came and he put himself in a box where he was limitless in heaven. He came and limited himself and put himself in a box so that he could break you out. And the Bible says that he got in the box, that he took on all the sin, He took on all the shame. He took on all your failures, all your disappointments. He took on all of that himself and defeated it. And he died for you. And he died for me so that we could have forgiveness, so we could be made right with God again. So at that very moment, in the very beginning, sin entered the world. And Jesus came and rescued us from it. And so today, don't buy the lie. God did not come to put you in a box. He came to break you out. He came to break you out, and he loves you, and he has a purpose for you. And until you really align yourself with that and discover what that is, you're always going to live in a way that God never intended you to live. So today the band's going to come back up, and we're going to close out. But for years, God has been misrepresented. He's been misrepresented for centuries. I'm going to step down here. I know you need this mic. We'll figure it out. Okay. But for years, God's been misrepresented. He has. You've bought the lies. You've bought the perception of of who you thought God was and who you think he is. And he's been misrepresented for centuries. And he's been given a bad name and a bad rap. and, And he sent Jesus to show us what he really was like. That's the coolest thing about when Jesus came back, that he was God. He was God in the flesh. And for the first time when Jesus came back, God was united with his creation again. He was able to fellowship with his creation again. And he said, all these people, these religious people, all these people who have been putting God in this box and making you think that you got to do these things, they've all been wrong. Jesus was telling all of them all the time, you guys are all wrong. I'm not about rules and restrictions. I'm about love and freedom. I'm about truly discovering why you were created. So Jesus came back, and creation and the creator were united once again. And he displayed for everyone what love was all about, what truly following God really means. Sure, if you make a decision to follow God, yeah, you're going to have to make changes. Not because 
You have to necessarily, but I believe it's because you'll, you'll want to. When you really see God for who he is, that he wasn't a God that came to limit you, but to liberate you. That religion isn't something that you have to endure, but it's really a relationship that you can enjoy. When we really get that, and we see God for who he truly is, that regardless of all the junk that I did, some of you have known me for a long time. You've known some of the stuff that I've done. And I'm still allowed to stand right here and to tell you about Jesus and his love. It's not because of me. It's not because of what I did. It's because of what Jesus did for me. And he did the same thing for you. And when you really see him for that, that, yeah, I know you messed up, and he does too. He he doesn't care. The Bible says his grace, his love, his forgiveness, it's new every day. You can't out-sin God's love for you. You can't. And no matter how long you run, He'll always chase you down because he loves you. You're his kid. He created you. He wants what's best for you. And what's best for you, he knows what it is. It's just coming into relationship with him and truly knowing who God is. So today you all got this box and I want you to take this with you and it's going to make a little more sense a little bit later too, but, but I want you to put this somewhere where you'll see it. And I want you to open it up and keep it open somewhere. Maybe it's on your desk at work or on your dress or something. But to keep it open, to remind yourself that God didn't come you to put you in a box. He came to break you out. He wants to open up all those walls of things that the enemy has put around you to make you believe that God doesn't love you and doesn't have a plan for you. So how do we get out of the box that, that we find ourselves in? Bible says it's very simple, that you need to confess with your mouth. You understand today who God really is. You confess and say, God, I believe that. And you believe in your heart. The Bible says that when we do that, when we ask for forgiveness, that God will love you and forgive you and embrace you today for who you truly are in him. Not for what you were, but for what you can be. So today I'd like you just to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. We're going to close out. But I don't know where you're at, but God does. And I don't believe that you're here by accident this morning. I believe that God brought you here because he's always working on behalf and reaching out to us. And so today, I don't know what has put you in a box and what you feel like and what issues you faced and what sin you're dealing with, but God does. And he says, if you want freedom from that, It's as simple as a prayer. That you believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. And the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive you. Today I'm pleading with you like Paul pleaded with these people in the Romans and throughout scripture. Don't miss your opportunity. The reason we started this church was for people who find themselves separated from God. Away from him. They don't know the life that he created for them. We're here for you. All of this was for you today if you don't know God the way that you need to. So in the privacy of this moment, if you say, Kyle, it's me. Today, man, I need to break out of the box. I got, I got stuff in my life that I've never repented of. I got things in my life that, that are keeping me and holding me back from the purpose that God has for me.